This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Happy Friday. It is a football Friday. Uh, both the teams we've been discussing, at least the Broncos thus far. Now we'll turn our attention to the Colorado Buffaloes. Losing in uh, embarrassing fashion, and there's really no other way. Both teams were embarrassed with their losses. Joining us now to talk about it from CBS News Colorado is our friend Justin Adams. You can follow Justin uh, on Twitter or X at Justin Adams TV. And Justin, thanks for the time. This is a, uh, a an important game for the Buffs, and I'm not going to put you on the spot, but prior to the season, in which case, by the way, nobody had him at 3-0, and but, but you had talked about the possibility there. You said that you thought at some point the Buffs are going to surprise somebody and stun somebody and win a game they shouldn't lose. And you had earmarked this one as being one of them. Has that changed based on the debacle he's, up in Eugene? He's already withdrawn that claim, I believe, a few weeks you know, you ago. Know, Have you not? You know, Sandy, let's, let's, not, let's not bring up facts. Let's not bring I, up how I waffle. Let's not do that. Let's just... No, well, no, I'm not saying you waffle. <laughs> I'm was, saying you retracted your statement. I was given the, the opportunity to... Throw it back out there. That's well. All. You, you know my number one rule, right, guys? I don't right. trust anybody eighteen and twenty-three. Good so, with that being said, I will say this: they have a chance, but man, it's man, it's a puncher's chance because of the quarterback you have. But at some point, your offensive line has to step up. And look, we, we could talk about just the deficiencies that they have. Um, are they really guys who are ready to really be power five offensive linemen? To be honest with you, the reality is this, guys: is that you are Division One athletes, and you are playing for Shadur Sanders, Coach Prime, a whole lot of other guys. At some point, you have to have that personal pride in you to be able to go and block up front. I expect these guys to have a much better game and to be focused going into this one against USC. I want to ask you about, uh, maybe I'm being overly dramatic here, the Cormani mclean affair, yes. which came out uh, quite publicly earlier this week when Sean Keeler, uh, the fine columnist of the Denver Post, Mm -hmm. asked Sanders under the circumstances in Oregon, you know, you've got Hunter out, you think about playing McLean a little more, what does he need to do to get on the field? And before he could even complete the question, uh, Coach Sanders interjects and says study and goes into – a, a rather broad-based critique Be on time and of not only Carmani McLean, the player, but the character of Carmani McLean. Mm-hmm. And truth may have been spoken there, but I'm wondering, this isn't a graduate transfer. Uh, this isn't uh, one of your sons. This isn't uh, uh, one of the stars on the team. And we had heard even in preseason from people who watch practice every day that simply from a physical point of view, he hadn't developed to the extent where he could be a starting cornerback on a major college football team. And Dion put another layer onto that by suggesting that study habits weren't good. He wasn't prepared. Uh, and Samari Roll, who's been kind of a mentor to McLean in the column Keeler wrote the following day in the post seemed to more or less go along with it. But he did say one thing I thought was interesting. Different people develop at different 
rates. Mm -hmm. And I didn't hear any of that from Deion Sanders. And I thought after consulting with some people I trust and respect that that probably would have been the way for the head coach to go rather than deliver a broadside uh, against a freshman. And I, I thought in that same column, it was also interesting that Mitchell, the linebackers, probably in the absence of Hunter, their best defensive player, who was asked to room with McLean at TCU, directly contradicted just about everything that Sanders had said. Said the kid's bright, he works his rear end off, he's mature, and in a year or two, he's going to be a hell of a player when he grows up. And he seemed to be referring, referring more to physical than psychological. And the point's been maybe the kid is just a sensitive kid who's going from a place in South Florida that might as well be on another planet and he's from 18. Boulder, Colorado. He's 18 years old. Right. And and I, I just thought, it, it. Yeah, I came to believe, my first instinct was, good, coach holding the guy accountable and everything. The kid's 18 years old. He's a freshman. You're not right. playing him. He wasn't on the field the other day having people run over him. Although Shiloh Sanders, his son, talked a lot of trash pregame and literally got run over to the point where he's so banged up he probably won't play in the game tomorrow. But nobody criticizes Shiloh Sanders because he's Deion Sanders' son. Right, and also he leaves the team in tackles, but he did miss a couple of tackles. Go back. Sure to did. The he got, well, he got game, run right? over. I don't know if they're missed yeah. tackles when you get well, run over. Well, we do call that a, a missed tackle. We also have some pancakes, too, that are out there because that's what happened to him as well. But here's the reality. It's two different things that I took. It. Number one, it was – I think there is a point where people look at the stars and just say, okay, this guy's a five star. So because he is this, he should be playing. And, you know, when you get up to certain levels within certain teams, so Alabama, for example, Clemson, for example, and those places, they don't care about the stars. They care about a few are already. They got five star guys all over the place. They don't necessarily play. And you know what? There are guys I've seen, even when I played, who were four star, five stars who didn't play, and we call them people who are stealing. They're just out there getting the scholarship. They're right. not doing too much, not contributing much, but they're out there even though they have all these stars. But on the other hand, you have guys who are two-star, three-stars. We see it all the time who are playing at a high level, and then they find themselves in the NFL making plays too. The reality is this, is that what he is doing, uh, Coach Prime is doing, is he's trying to set the precedence that, that this. Look, it doesn't matter what star system you are. How would you come into this program? You have to earn your opportunity on the field. Now, Kamani McLean, he did have a couple of tackles against Oregon. Now, it was in garbage time, but he did make some plays. He has, look, when you look at his frame, he is a guy that has star written all over him. But again, he's an 18-year-old exactly. young man. Exactly. He hasn't physically matured yet, right. nor has he psychologically matured in the sense that most people aren't fully developed psychologically until the 25 years old and, and you're expecting this guy to be an all-american as an 18 year old yeah i don't think it's not only him though i think it's more so the fans right that are expecting him to be an all-american again it, it goes back to this travis hunter is out so you put one and one together and say okay because travis is out put in the five star and let right. the five star do what he do well right. there's a reality where the five star may not be physically ready yet we see exactly him. We, we looked at that, his body he's and I know. So, <laughs> yeah, but the other side of this too, Sandy, is there is some truth somewhere around the corner where it is a young man being able to learn what it takes to be able to play on Saturdays 
so that you can be able to play on Sundays. Same thing happened to me. Same thing happens to a lot of freshmen where you're trying to learn this big playbook and you're trying to, you know, study and understand concepts and routes and understand tendencies, all those other different things. Where in high school, you can just line up and say, hey, I'm bigger, faster, stronger than you. Give me the football. And now you have to now be a thinking man's game, not just somebody who is just physically opposing more than anyone else. So those are the things that I take away from this. If Kermani has the right people in his court, the right people that he's listening to, he will take this the right way, the way that Coach Prime wants him to take it, and be able to go and star on Saturdays and later on on Sundays. But if not, he might be a guy who hits the transfer portal. And it, it just is what it is in today's day of football. That that's an interesting part to the transfer portal, that you know, giveth an and, and taketh away. An now, at the point. same time, this is where I think building the program for for the Buffs gets interesting, Justin, because uh, now the rubber sort of hits the road, right? It was it started three and zero. They were going to eventually run into these games where they realized that uh, because of three and zero, they were ranked higher than realistically they they were not the nineteenth best team in the country. I think we all knew that. And now that they have to deal with that, the the reality for the team is that you have a long way to go. It is not uncommon for the top programs you talked about it, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the, the Ohio States of the world, to even have top guys immediately step in, uh, find out that they can't do what they want to do in the program, and then bail out for various reasons, whether it's personality differences or the fact that they can't see the field. This happens all the time. And the Buffs are going to lose some of their own too. Now perhaps uh, the, the tough love thing will work and then McLean will be able to step up the way they want him to, but at the moment, at least, it does seem like that's a risk. At, at the same time, I I appreciated what Sanders said. I don't know the situation with McLean specifically, but I I know that what Sanders said at least was actionable. It right. wasn't. It wasn't. You're not doing this. You know, we'll we'll tell you what to do. It was. He said specifically, study, put in your film time. We check and see how how often people are watching their film. Be on time for the meetings. Don't miss them. Uh, these were the th- they weren't these sort of like nebulous concepts that boy I thought I was doing that uh, you're either on time for the meetings or you're not right you Bingo. either you've either missed one or you hadn't these are actionable things so I I think to sort of play devil's advocate there what Sanders said was at least things that it was very clear for McLean to go okay well now I know what coach is looking for and if I do some of those things he'll notice the difference so I don't really have a beef with the way it was handled simply because it was a direct question and answers to a direct question, but it also gave the player actionable things to do, not necessarily you're in the doghouse because I don't like you. Guys, how many times have we had a boss where they said something and made a comment? Let's just throw out saying work ethic, right? You have low work ethic. And so you ask the question, okay, well, what do I need to do um, in order to improve, at least in your eyes? And you don't get a response, (laughs) right? You don't get those actionable items. You're just like, wait, so you just say I have, this issue or this deficiency with my work, but you're not telling me what I need to do in order to get better or how to be a better employee. Like that would make you extremely frustrated. Well, on this side, you actually know what you need to do in order to be able to succeed on the field and to be able to play. Look, Kermani McClain is playing. He's playing special teams. And this kind of goes back to another thing that bothers me a little bit, guys. How many guys do we know when the, when the bus were in their heyday started off on special teams? Start off as those type of guys and then work their way up. There's something that, um, and I get it with the transfer portal. I get it by saying, hey, you know, you could play immediately. 
there was just something about waiting your turn in many respects, where you had to earn your keep, earn your opportunity on the field. And this is one of those times. So, yeah, we all want to see him on the field. He is on the field playing his special teams. But if he wants to be a starter, there's certain things that you have to do. There's certain things you have to do in the gym. I'll give you one thing, for example, when I was playing, there was guys who – um, were over me on the depth chart. And one of the main reasons why they were over me on the depth chart is they not only worked out during the times that we all worked out as a team, but they went to the rec center and did two-a-days. So they were able to go and put in that extra work that, frankly, I didn't do, to be honest with you. And what happens? When Saturday came around, those guys were on the field much more than I were. That's one of the things that Kermani McClain can learn. Hey, you could do the small things. What small things can you do in order to put yourself in a better, to, better position to be able to succeed? And that's really the biggest thing that he's trying to push him to. Hey, do these small things, which turns out to larger things, which would allow you to be able to play uh, more often on Saturday. I, the phenomenon of CU football continues to exist. Last week, the ratings with the sheer number of people watching CU Oregon outnumbered Ohio State Notre Dame, <laughs> which was played in prime time on the East Coast anyway, the 5.30 start out here. Uh, again, incredible. And I understand it's ABC, and it's, it's not a cable outlet, but still 10.3 million viewers, and it might have been even more than that when all factors are taken into consideration. Uh, I would anticipate that not only will you get a packed house, of course, tomorrow in Boulder, but you'll get at least 10 million viewers for a noon Eastern time, 10 a.m. Mountain Time start for CU-USC, even though CU once again is a three-touchdown underdog. Yeah, because people are interested. It's not that people who are college football fans for us specifically who are interested. It is fans who are not really college football fans who are interested in what's going on with Colorado. Guys, I said this at the beginning of the season, which shouldn't be a surprise at all. I said this would be the first college football team that we have ever seen where people are more interested in the head coach rather than the actual team on the field. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people who are saying, hey, Coach Prime, what is Coach Prime doing? What is Coach Prime's team doing? They can't even say the Colorado Buffaloes, right? Okay. We're still UC Buffaloes, right? <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that, right? But, but it's the reality, right? It, it is people are more interested in what the head coach is doing rather than what the football program is doing. That's why people will say, hey, no matter what happens, we still have your back, Coach Prime, because he's, he's, he's an icon. And, and, and there's not many times that we could say that we have had a coach in Colorado sports history that is a national icon. He's one of them, and he's going to be a huge draw, which is the reason why you see games on Fox and on ESPN and on ABC getting these huge numbers is because they want to see what this guy is doing and also how his team is doing as well. Well, before we, we let you go, Justin, we do have to talk about the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears, uh, arguably the, the worst game on the NFL slate this week. I, I can't even imagine how it gets much worse. Sandy and I spent a lot of the first hour breaking it down of how the Broncos have been poor but should absolutely beat Chicago despite the fact they're even in Chicago. And Sandy pointed out it's got to be unprecedented. A team that lost by 50 points or more is goes to the road and they're favored on the road. But uh, but I'm, I'm the one thinking, I'm like, that all sounds great unless you lose. And we watched, I mean, if, if you're the Bears, you've got to be watching 
the Broncos situation and realizing that, I mean, I don't know who's left at safety, who can play safety. Uh, they only probably have so many warm bodies. Uh, run crossing routes all day long like the, Bear, like the like the Dolphins did, and you should be able to make some hay. I think there's a real risk the Broncos, despite the fact there's a presumption that they're all that much better, may not be that much better, especially against the pass. Um, let me just put it this way. They are not much better. You are what your record said that you are. <laughs> is this a lie? I mean, you, three are, is you are what yeah. your record says that you are. Yeah. And here's the other thing, too, is there has to be a certain want-to from your team as well. I mean, we could talk about the crossing routes. We could talk about the pass defense. We could talk about the run defense issues. We could talk about Cortland Sutton fumbling the ball twice. We could talk about red zone, red zone issues that you may have. We could talk about all those different things. The reality is, is this, is at some point as a professional and also as just a man, you have got to man up. This is one of those games where it doesn't matter about the score. It doesn't matter about any of those different things. It matters about your performance and your pride, and that's what they have to go out and play with, uh, this week. If you go out there with that attitude, you should be able to get a W against a Chicago's Bears defense that's truly playing football like Gale Sayers is on it. And I mean Gale Sayers as if he's sitting on the bench, not Gale Sayers being on the field. It is a terrible offense that you have to look at, all right? So the Broncos should be able to win this game. They should be able to win it going away. But it wouldn't surprise me if the score is 3-2 or two at the end of this game because both teams don't play well. <laughs> Boy, let's hope it's not... <laughs> Three, three to two. Three to two. A year after the eleven to ten. Let's hope that the uh, yes. uh, Broncos don't the do that. The only eleven to ten game. has there ever been a three to two game. Maybe there hasn't been. Uh, maybe there hasn't been a three to two. Th- I, I I think the Achan kid. When you mentioned Gale Sayers, I, I thought the Broncos played against Gale Sayers last weekend. He was wearing number twenty eight. <laughs> he looked so good, didn't he? <laughs> that kid. Well, I saw amazing. him play. I, I'm I'm being serious about this. I yeah. saw him play when I was in uh, Tuscaloosa last October for Texas A&M against Alabama, mm-hmm. and I scarcely remember him. I'll Wait. never forget him now for no. what he did against the Broncos last Sunday. I'll never forget him. I mean, he goes right there in the record books of all-time great rushing performances or total yards performances against the Broncos right up there with uh, uh, Corey Dillon who ran for 275 mm-hmm. yards against him one time decades ago. You know, he he's in the uh, – Eric Dickerson on that Monday night Halloween in 88 mm-hmm. when the Colts beat the Broncos 55-21, and I think Dickerson is still running. Well, loose. there's. I'll give you another name. 35 go, years guys. later. I'll give you another name, too. And this one, Sandy, I'm going to need you to go down your Rolodex because I know you know this name. But back in the Super Bowl where the, where the Broncos played Washington and uh, they couldn't stop the run. Timmy I Smith. Could, Timmy Smith. That's yeah. what it really felt like. It felt like every. Who never did anything open. else ever again. Never. Never did. But you know what? He got paid, <laughs> right? Based he did get paid. Game. He did and get paid. So it, it just comes back to And Rodgers Rogers was the starting running back, but he was hurt. And right. they put Timmy Smith in there, and Timmy Smith looked like Jim Brown. Yep. In his exactly. Brain. Exactly. And so anybody could be able to run against the Broncos defense. Um, you know, at that time, last week. And you know what? At some point, you have to go and step up and say, look, the buck stops with me this week. And so, you know, the offense has to score more than 20 points. The defense has to be able to hold Chicago under 20 points, which shouldn't be hard. But, again, we all talk about the Broncos' defense as of right now. So, (laughs) three to two. Take the under. Okay, guys? Take Take the the under. under. He (laughs) is Justin Adams. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter, Justin Adams TV uh, from CBS News Colorado. Thanks so much, Justin. Appreciate it. We'll see what the – one of these teams maybe comes away with the win this weekend. Well, maybe the offenses are just play against each other, and we'll yeah. remove the defensive players entirely from the game. So you can't. Everybody's play. Travis. You're Hunter. all ineligible. 
Uh, right. You're all ineligible. And uh, we, we've got uh, uh, 15 to 20 guys who play offense on both sides who can play both ways. It's like watching, the, like watching Eads versus Eaton football. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Little Eads eat. <laughs> Have a good one, Justin. See you, fellas. All right. Uh, it is, of course, you know, it's Friday, so high school football going this weekend. They, uh, yeah, little, little both both ways. Appreciate that. Yeah. I, Broncos probably won't do it, but you could make the argument it can't be much worse. I mean, how could you? Oh. You're going to give them more than 40 a game. I mean. This is an NFL team, and I know it's three weeks in the season and not six or nine or 12, but 40-plus points a game? Yeah, that's. Are you kidding me? That's bad. And they only gave up 17 in the opener. Well, want to give you some reasons to believe that there's at least an opportunity for this game to not look as bad as the Oregon one and what, what it might mean if the Buffaloes turn around a little bit closer. We'll mm. talk about it next on Miley Sports. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. Last week, the Buffaloes were 21-point underdogs on the road to Oregon. Uh, This week, they're 24-and-a-half-point underdogs to Southern Cal. And they're in Boulder, and that's with good reason. Southern Cal is ranked sixth, higher than Oregon's 10. They have the defending reigning Heisman Trophy champ, a quarterback who, by the way, uh, this year has thrown for 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and no picks. No picks. 15-0. Leading the country in passing efficiency rating. Yeah, it's uh, yikes. So Three rushing touchdowns uh, (laughs) on top of the 15. Old uh, familiar friend Brendan Rice. Yes. uh, Playing very well out there. Of course, Jerry Rice's son transferred from Colorado and then Um, went to Southern Cal. Player, it was interesting. Deion Sanders had a lot to say about McLean, nothing to say about Brendan Rice this week. Although, to our friend Romy Dean at Channel 4, mm-hmm. Deion opened up and talked a lot about Brendan Rice and about Jerry Rice and their rivalry. Um, but when wouldn't that it, have been something if, if Shadur Sanders could have been throwing, if, if Deion Sanders' son would have been throwing to Jerry Rice's son? That, that would have been Wouldn't something. that have been something to see? And it wasn't meant to be, but. Deion Sanders is is fairly candid in the way he spoke to Romy Bean this week. Um, and he talks about the rivalry and it, between the two and how the practice sessions were better than the games. As far as Deion was concerned, practicing against Jerry Rice was even better than playing against him because they both were so intense. Um, it is also true that Jerry Rice could not stand Deion Sanders, especially as a teammate. Had had no very different personality types. at all, and didn't find much, if anything, redeeming about uh, Deion Sanders. So when Deion wouldn't talk about Brendan Rice, I was thinking, you know what? Uh, maybe he's he's best off not saying anything because he and Jerry Rice are not exactly bosom buddies, although I'm sure they run into each other. As Dion indicated, they run into each other from time to time. Uh, Brendan Rice did not do a lot right after he left CU and started playing for USC, but now he's playing with Caleb Williams. 
He has this year 12 catches for 257 yards and five touchdowns for USC so far. And last week against Arizona State, seven catches, 133 yards, and two touchdowns for a USC offense that is averaging. We thought Oregon was averaging a lot of points last week. After three games, USC is averaging 55 points a game. Yeah. And 569.3 yards per game. Now, they have Good had luck. a couple of – It, it is going to be tough. They, they have, however, been oddly prone to their own mistakes. They fumbled five times. They had ten penalties last week that helped keep Arizona State in the game. Yeah, it was 42-28, which mm-hmm. I think it will be – I mean, at one point, Close it was, one point it was 24-21 in the third quarter yep. before uh, USC pulled away. So there's part of that. The defense for Southern Cal is not all that great. Not I mean, great. The, the no. 28 by ASU puts that up. But even more importantly, you know, the idea that the Sun Devils threw for nearly 270 yards. They're giving up 170 yards on the ground. Now, that's the problem because CU doesn't seem like they're able to take advantage of that. 55.3 rushing yards per game. Among FBS teams. Um yeah, and, and I, I don't know, the total rushing yards may be, uh, the yards per game, uh, you have to either last the, or second yeah, last. The, the they're, quarterback sack yards. They're, they're the worst running team in college football, yes. I, would, I, I would say, based on a variety of factors. And part of it is they really haven't, haven't tried to run it, yeah. even when they've been ahead. I, I've, TCU... They were at 24-14. They were throwing on every down. Uh, now, it, they were ahead the whole way against Nebraska, so it really didn't matter how much they ran, how much they passed. The fact is, most of the time against CSU and all the time last week, they were behind. So, <laughs> you're not seeing Dylan Edwards no. factor in at all, at least as a ball carrier. In, in recent games, um, we keep hearing uh, the transfer from Alton McCaskill, who did play close. a little bit. Oh, he yeah, played in the last close. game just a little he's bit. Close you know, to bigger, being, bigger I mean, body. close to playing. Right, yeah, I mean, yeah. only five carries in the uh, in the game against Oregon. But five carries is not in it. I mean, uh, you're, you're you're going out there. You didn't go out there and try it just for once. I mean, you have to give him yeah. five carries. Uh, if McCaskill can go ahead and, and start to perform, you're talking about a guy that was the uh, the Big 12 freshman of the year. A guy that had an extraordinary nose for the end zone, it would be very helpful. But it does feel like the Buffs have to commit to it. And the other part of it is they have to commit to it for two reasons. One, Shadur Sanders is taking too many sacks. The Buffs' offensive line is not good. Part of the reason that the running game is not any have any consistency whatsoever, but also part of the reason Sanders is getting sacked. Sanders has to take some of that on himself. The 22 sacks through the first three games is completely unsustainable. But the problem oh, he, is he'll never stay healthy. No, for an and it season. is it is putting the Buffs in bad spots too. In their the fourteen third downs that yeah. the Buffaloes had against Oregon, their average distance was ten. Yeah, everything was you third will and lose, everything and and they and have one. to be able to find a way to run on early downs or well, preferably and or Sanders will take at least a little bit of what the defense will give them. Take three yards, take four yards, so you at least have somewhat Which, manageable third down. You know, I I thought they did that against TCU, and. You know, they didn't run the ball extraordinarily well that day, but they, they they had enough of a running game to make TCU pay attention. Now, TCU, at least that day, didn't play very well on defense and, frankly, didn't defend much of anything all that well. But I, 
I thought he, and he took sacks in that game too, but I thought he got rid of the ball quicker. Mm-hmm. And as each I think he's game been has gone on, he holds it longer Agreed. and longer and longer from week to week. And that that's a bad habit. It is. And, and I understand the competitive impulse to try to save plays. I, I get it, especially last week at Oregon when you're getting your doors blown off. But it, you, you've got to throw the ball away or, you know, accept the initial pressure and not go running back 10 or 15 yards and then take the sack. So it's second and 25, third and 20 all the time. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something that I, I will find out after this game. But I think, you know, what, what Deion Sanders said specifically about this, he talked about holding on to the ball too long. He said, talking about Shadur Sanders, quote, when he gets it off, he's doing his job, which is tremendous. We've got to do a better job of protecting him and getting the ball out of there. That's twofold. That is, yeah, you do have to get a better job protecting it, but Sanders has to be more decisive and quicker with the ball getting it out. But he also pointed out we've got to run the ball. Not only that, we've got to implement short and intermediate as well as yeah, the deep passing of game. Course. And, uh, and I thought they had that against TCU, and they haven't had it since. But the idea that didn't need it against Nebraska. Dion isn't going to necessarily call out his own son. Uh, not true. I mean, he pointed out pretty specifically they have to. He, you have to focus more on the short and intermediate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he said yeah, it flat that, out. That's an implied criticism. <laughs> so I mean, I think it's it's fair to to say that you know there there is and some desire to do that in Horn and uh, Weaver and Weaver. And, uh, I, I think you've got decent short to intermediate. Targets, yes, of course, they miss Travis Hunter. Of course, it's a deep threat. Okay, of course, it's it's ridiculous to say otherwise. But you you do have a fairly deep stable of receivers, including Edwards as a running back, who's a good receiver. Well, and Tavares Dawson has stepped up. Take more has, advantage of that. Dawson has been averaging eight point yeah. nine per. He has yeah. a touchdown. And, and then don't underestimate, uh, kind of showing up in the, in the last two games, Michael Harrison, the tight end. Yeah. Who right. I, I think they have has to use the tight end more, and, and I think he's gotten a really. They sort of had to force feed it, but he's a pretty big body, six three, and and he and Shadur yeah, Sanders seem to have gotten rather quickly yeah. on the same page to the point where, even though it was a, a very one sided game, I noticed that Sanders was quickly looking for Harrison, and certainly featured him at least the week prior in the double overtime game against Colorado State, where he had two of the overtime touchdowns. Big part of the story continues to be. The appeal of Colorado and and to black viewers uh, who average fifteen percent typically of the college football viewing audience for CU it's almost one out of every four it's extraordinary and in Boulder again one point one percent black we've talked about that you have Justin. enormous uh, response in the black community uh, in Boulder and in other areas around the state to Deion Sanders, and even nationally, as Justin Adams alluded to earlier, it's incredible. And when you list the top 10 games of the college football week, I think you have to take that into consideration. It may not be the most competitive game, but it will be the most widely viewed. And you start with, I think, a pretty good game tonight, Louisville, North Carolina State, though neither team is ranked. Uh, then you got tomorrow night, uh, South Carolina, 21st-ranked Tennessee, uh, Florida ranked 22nd at Kentucky, Georgia at Auburn, uh, Georgia number one in the country, 7th-ranked Washington at Arizona. Uh, this is a good game, one that I'd be watching. 10th-ranked Utah at 19th-ranked Oregon State, 11th-ranked Notre Dame at 17th-ranked Duke. How about that? Uh, LSU ranked 13th 
at number 20, Ole Miss. Pretty good matchup. Kansas, which won its last game mm-hmm. in Texas two years ago, now ranked 24th at number three, Texas. But the game listed, at least by the Athletic this week, is the most appealing game, is number eight, USC, at unranked CU yeah. because it'll get the most viewers. And, and you're talking about two. Uh, uh, I, I don't think Shooter Sanders is really in that mix after after the, the the loss at Oregon, but you're talking about two potential Heisman Trophy candidate quarterbacks going toe-to-toe. No, you're right. Shooter's not really in the mix. Some very entertaining but, football, but uh, yes, high-scoring, fun. You'll have points. Boulder is you'll a scenic points. place to have, to have a football yeah. game. And I mean, it'll be packed get in this. Boulder and the Fox uh They'll be back at it again. Yep, yep. Fox will, will, kickoff will, will be, there. be there again. That'll be the third time already. And each of their four games have been in the top five most watched of the weekend. 35 million people have watched CU games this year. The next highest. So, you, okay, Dan Lanning, you got the win and good for you. I get that. That's what it's important. I'm not taking anything away. Talked about fighting for clicks. That's, that's great at Lanning. Lanning, after he calmed down, also pointed out, a day later, I know that the reason so many people watched that game wasn't because of us. They right. wanted to watch Colorado. Right. Oregon is second. 12.5 million have watched Oregon games, more than 35 million. The Buffs, that's almost triple. And Oregon's second most in the Pac-12. Right. And there's one other point. There I must see TV. Uh, it's just that simple. And one point I want to make, and salutations to Rick George, the athletic director of the University of Colorado who sent a very public notice out this week, essentially demanding that fans, perhaps particularly students, grow up yep. and start acting like human beings at the football games because it's gotten for the two home games they played so far mm-hmm. progressively worse and worse and worse. And good for Rick George to recognize that and not just say, we're selling out, and that's all I care about. That's the bottom line. We're selling out. No. He noticed the objectionable, if not criminal, behavior in the stands, particularly for the USC game, and I saw it for the Nebraska game as well, particularly among the students. Uh, it's time to grow up, sober up and grow up, and act like human beings. And they made it very clear there will be a new student-only entrance in Folsom tomorrow and all games moving forward. All student sports pass tickets must enter through the student gate at the southeast entrance. No other gate will be allowed for students to enter. All other fans uh, are not permitted to use the student entrance. They're going to separate it. And if you don't have your wristband for your student section, any they said flat out here, wristbands that will be required. Any patrons without their wristband will be removed. So don't bother trying to sneak in. Don't bother trying to get into seats that aren't yours. If you're a student, you go through this door, this door only. Grow up. And exactly right. And, and hopefully that ends up being the way it is. I know uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll find out how it all shakes out. The Denver Broncos have a critically important game. It's not as much for their playoff lives. Those are over. Now it's just about, are you one of the worst two or three teams in the NFL? That's what they are today. That's still in dispute. It won't be. If they somehow manage to lose on Sunday, we'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Can we forget about the things I said when I was drunk? This is Sandy Clough 
and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. It is a football weekend, so why bet with the big boys? That's easy. Everyone does that. Instead, try your hand at the local book, our friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best. Use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your show as well. Want to make sure that uh, we get some of your feedback. Danny Bailey's been monitoring the text line, and uh, you picked out a couple choice ones. What have you got, Danny? This first one comes from Broncos 60. I was at the Broncos' first practice, their first game in the 60s. The Miami game was the most disgusting, depressing, disorienting game that I watched the Broncos ever play. They lost, like, a lot of games. That was a tie, right? They, they lost, like, a lot of games in the AFL days. Seems like Yes, that, they were the worst like team in the would AFL. Be, wouldn't those be they, worse than the ties? Won, they won less than 30% of the time in the AFL. I mean, I'm not disputing Broncos 60. I, I, didn't, I did not see all those. I was not alive for, well, any of those. Well, I, I saw them when they played the Jets, and they had a pretty good record against the Jets, especially the Joe Namath Jets. Not so much the New York Titans, I suppose, but... Against Namath's Jets, they get up, and so those are the times I saw them. But I also saw them when they were getting flattened from time to time. Well, we looked at that terrible. tie in a, in the '71 season, and I'm looking at a whole bunch of Hall of Famers on the Miami side and thinking that uh, maybe Don Horn and the Broncos pulling off a tie isn't the worst thing that's ever happened there. You know, the uh, Don Horn Jack Gurkey led offense. Yeah. Uh, hanging with Greasy and Warfield and Zonka and Kick. Well, Maybe not that'd be that bad. That day, Don Shula did not pick up one of his 347 all-time coaching yeah, See? The NFL. No, I'm, had, to I'm, ta- had to take the tie. I, I'm absolving Lou Saban today. That, that's, uh, he's, he's, yes. he's off the 52 hook. 52 years later. He's, he's off, off the hook. hook. He's totally off the hook. After last Sunday in Miami, Lou Saban is officially Boy, off the yeah, hook. especially that too. Yeah, exactly. Off the hook. So uh, what else do you have, Danny? Guys, if we lose this weekend, when are the adults in the room going to realize it's time to pull the Band-Aid off? We are years from being relevant again. Assuming we have a top three pick, who would you guys like to see the Broncos well, take? Here's, first of all, I'm not sure there is an adult yeah, like, in the room. That's he, the problem. And here's, here's the other problem. What Band-Aids to pull off? I mean, what, is, what, is that, what does that mean? As a practical matter, I know people always talk about cleaning house. As a practical matter, you can't trade everybody. You've got to have somebody left to play. And, and what? And generally, what do you want to trade? The big expensive guys who aren't for draft picks. Who who aren't for draft? Picks. Yeah, who aren't doing well. Well, the big expensive guys who aren't doing well. Why does anyone else want to give you the draft pick? Well, that, that's why I laugh when I hear. Well, they're going to trade Garrett Bowles and get something back from. Who would want to give you anything for Garrett Bowles? He's a free um, agent at the end of the year. You know, you, you can put a number of other people who get mentioned in that same category. Like Cortland Sutton, another one. I go, oh, oh try Cortland Sutton. You can't even get a third round pick for Cortland Sutton. Yeah, the right problem now. is when you and this, I get it, I get the mentality, I do. But look, when when your team that you're following is not good, and the players that you're familiar with are disappointing, what makes you think other teams want those players? The Broncos are zero and three. What what? team is looking across the NFL landscape at a Broncos, the team that just lost surrendering 70 points 
and going, well, those guys are actually, I mean, what does it really mean? Well, They're actually really good, but just the Broncos are making them bad? Well, then trading no. them away actually won't help you because it's the Broncos themselves that are causing the problem. No, listen, or listen. It, you just, you're hoping there's a sucker that's even worse? I mean, it's you, not realistic. You look at last week, and I know I got hurt during during the game. I mean, but, I went and did this back in July. But, but I, I did the math on Josie how the Broncos Jewel can quote, and quote, quote, Alex aren't going to bring back anything. But it's a $109 million dead cap hit. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to bring back anything. They're not going to bring back anything. and Trade either one no, or both. I th- they're not going to bring back And we anything. started the show with this, and I think you are right, given the fact that, that Justin Simmons, who I think is an outstanding player, is going to be 30 in about six weeks and has been dealt with has dealt with injuries in the last two years. Yes. I think the only player on the team, the one that might get you a first-round pick, and probably would get you a probably would, I take the back. The one player that would get you a first-round pick is Pat Sertan. He's the only one. And I, I think you would look and say, who could get you even second rounders? And you're pushing it. You're I get it. Broncos it. fans would go, well, what about Javante Williams? Javante Williams doesn't look like the guy he was as nope. a rookie just he, yet. He no doesn't look even close. No one's going to give you that I, I, you on, know, on a bet. The Broncos boasted. Well, we talked about the Quinn other day. Myers, I won't repeat maybe? what I said the other day. Javante Williams was termed a medical miracle, and implicit in all that was the new medical staff uh, made it possible for Javante Williams to come back, not just weeks, but maybe even months before he otherwise would have been able to come back, and he'd be raring to go in week one. He's not raring to go. No. He looks like maybe. He looks like maybe a guy that's coming back from seventy percent of the player he was. Yeah, and, and I know he still breaks tackles, but you know he's he's not having much impact, and I, I don't know that he's a game changer anyway. He he's. I, I love his running style, yep. but it's probably not meant for longevity. And you know what? This injury, it may have taken already 10, 15% of his game forever. It, it, entirely it's entirely possible. possible. Yes, it is. It is Because he takes possible. hits. Uh, he's not a scat back. He nope. takes hits. And he looks at best like 75% of the player he was. So, I mean, there just aren't players that will get you anything in trade. And you have guys with contracts. There's dead cap money involved. The problem is when you're talking about Sandy, you hit it as well. But, I mean, okay, here's the challenge with the Broncos' new ownership. We don't really know yet. Who decides what the Band-Aid is and how it gets pulled off? Well, Sean Payton is getting a reported roughly $18 million a year. A little more than that, yeah. Well, he ain't going anywhere. No. I don't know any other way to put that. No. And are you going to do something without running it by Sean Payton, knowing that he's well, sticking around? Right. So I guess, as we've talked about before, Sean Payton runs the Denver Broncos. And you have an ownership group that how the power is dispersed is still somewhat nebulous. That tends to evolve over time. The answer is this is Sean Payton's team, and that's why you said it earlier in the show. I agree. I don't think we've talked about it in the offseason. This is the last year for George Payton. That was yes. going to happen regardless. And is that enough? Probably not. I I, I don't think so. So the, the, the problem is the Broncos folks are stuck in a bad spot. This isn't a quick turnaround. They are not only bad, they are bad and boring. And not only are they bad and boring, they are not young. They're not young. They're not one of the younger teams in They're the not. league. 
those things, when they're all together, are very they hard to They haven't reverse. had enough draft picks to be young. And you know what? As things stand right now for next year, they have seven picks. Four of the seven come in the fifth round or later. Right. It, it's not going to get a lot better. They have a first, a third, and a fourth. They have no second. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you can get a second for Jerry Judy, I'm not sure you can. Not right now. But I don't think you can. I don't think you can right now. But if you could, all right, move Jerry Judy and fill in. You might be able to get that a second for Simmons if he's healthy pick. again, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but but those yeah, are your two would, best that, players. That would give you eight picks, half of whom would be players you selected in the fifth round. And you have to replace play. starters. You have to replace a handful of your actually good players. Of which there aren't that many of them. Not that many. It's a bad spot. The Broncos, and then don't be fooled here. The Broncos should win on Sunday. I think they'll win on Sunday. They could win next week against the Jets. They could be two and three. And all of a sudden, we're like, they're back in it. You're going to hear that on the broadcast on Sunday, by the way, of course, as well. On the telecast, you will. Yeah. On the telecast, all you'll hear is that the Broncos, and for that matter, the Bears, Little bad luck start. nearly as no, bad as bad. their record would lead you Broncos to Broncos were to win the next two. They'll be right back in the AFC hunt. They're not, folks. They're not. And it, it, it is going to be a long road, but uh, this feels like a pivot point. This feels like the kind of game that if they lose, it becomes very, very ugly because the start is ugly, and then it becomes impossible for Sean Payton to def- keep deflecting. And I don't know what a Sean Payton who already came into this season pretty hot at the league still on his own personal revenge tour. If it starts 0-4, how that's going to play out. But I'm going to guess more likely bad than good. So it's going to be a fascinating weekend of football. And I think the Broncos are about a 2-3 and three chance of winning it. You don't think it's even that good. No, I, I I would I would say it's you think they're going to cover five forty five game. Well, that the half persuades me that uh, I could see him winning by two or a field goal. Uh, Somebody three and a half makes me again. nervous, <sighs> and so I would uh, I'd hedge a bit on that one. I'd pick Denver to win the game, but Chicago to cover. It will be a fascinating game for sure. Maybe the Broncos will finally get that first win. If not, we'll be talking about uh, well. we'll by the look, some things up. By the way, uh, Justin Adams picked three to two. Uh, he didn't say which team he was picking. That's true. But he just said three to two would be the score. You know, if the spread's three and a half and the final score is three to two, well, it doesn't matter who wins. No, the Bears cover. <laughs> also, if he's right on that. We'll never get to interview him again because he's going to have his. He's, oh, he's, be insufferable. He's going to. Well, he'll also be like the new Stephen A. Smith. He'll, he'll just get hired as Nostradamus and that, that, take over right. Tony Romo's job or something, and right. poof, off he goes. We'll never see him again. He'd be better. Than <laughs> Thanks to Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado for joining us. Always a treat to get him. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth making everything work for us. Thanks most of all to you for listening. However you're doing that, FMHD Radio on MyLifeSports.com or even best. On the Mile High Sports app, free to everybody where you can not only watch the show, listen to the show, get all the podcasts, and all the terrific writing, Cody Rourke, and his terrific Broncos coverage, as well as uh, the terrific coverage of the Nuggets and the Avs that we have here. And by the way, that's coming around sooner rather than later. We'll be back on Monday to talk about this one way or the other for sure. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Have a safe and enjoyable football weekend. We'll catch you Monday. We keep it right here on Mile High Sports. Feeling that Friday's famous fall. Yeah, I'm looking for some action.
Action. 